0: All right, guys, welcome back to another week of Latter-day Conversations. As always, we got some fun questions, and uh, feel free always to enter in any questions or thoughts or things you'd like us to discuss in the links below. Uh, This first question I'm going to read out for Mike, and we'll get started off there. And the question is this, what happens to familial relationships of people who do not qualify for the celestial kingdom? What about if part of a family makes it to the celestial kingdom and the other part goes to the celestial? will they be quote together forever? Question mark.
1: All right. So this is a question for which my answer, um, I got to be careful not to speak too authoritatively because I don't, uh, I don't know how authoritative I can be on this despite having, you know, heard things in different talks, even from prophets and apostles, but uh, Based on the talks and the resources I've heard, it does seem like uh, family relationships are a matter of exaltation. I mean, they they pertain to those who are exalted in the highest degree of celestial kingdom. Otherwise, um, you don't perpetuate your family relationships, and I don't think enjoy them in the same sense. Um, And you can go to different sources for this. Uh, President Nelson said a few things about this in, I think, some of his last, uh, most recent general conference talks. Um, such as he's said in his talk called salvation and exaltation in 2008, he said, this life is the time to prepare for salvation and exaltation in God's eternal plan. Salvation is an individual matter. Exaltation is a family matter. And what he means by that is uh, it's up to every individual to work out their own salvation as the Bible says, but uh, family is something that pertains more to being exalted. Um, and there are other scriptures, too, that you could, you could bring into this. Henry B. Eyring has a talk on this, um, kind of saying a similar thing. He says, Of all the gifts our loving Heavenly Father has provided to His children, the greatest is eternal life. That gift is to live in the presence of God the Father and His beloved Son forever in families. Only in the highest of the kingdoms of God, the celestial, will the loving bonds of family life continue. And so this is the principle that um, families are together forever, but only in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom from my understanding. And I know we teach that that's one of the, the pillars of our church and, you know, brings a lot of converts in. and They tell a story of when they heard that concept and they're like, Oh, that just rang so true to me. That's why we joined the church because we knew that families had to be together forever. Um, but <laughs> we have to point out that is not for everyone, at least as far as my understanding goes. So that's my start, my current understanding, Cade, um, I'm sure you have much to add and maybe some own your own insight and questions to to continue with.
0: Yeah, and this is this is a very interesting topic. And I think, yes, there is room for speculation, but there is quite a bit we do know about uh, a lot of things, too. And uh, this topic particularly comes really interesting. And I I think it's going to continue to be one of these topics that I think we'll be asking ourselves more and more uh, the more the wheat continues to be separated from the tares. Um, and, and I think the, the real logical uh, occurrences that'll happen is you're going to see a lot of families where partial families will be continuing to be faithful to their covenants so far as they can, while other members to whom they are sealed will not uh, continue to be faithful to those covenants, right? Um, and so, I don't know, I think this, this is a very touchy question for some people because it's, it's difficult. Like you said, it's it's one of these keystone principles that brings tons of members into the church and helps keep tons within the church as well. Um, this this principle of, of the continuation of the family beyond the grave. And it's a, a very, very important doctrine. And I, I, I would go so far as to say that um, while the blessings of eternal families will only continue within the celestial kingdom as we even learn in the temple for example right in the temple uh, experience you'll go through uh, multiple rooms for example in the salt lake temple before they renovated that when you would go to the different rooms the only room where man and woman commingled and cohabitated was in the celestial room and so it persists in our day today and that doctrine is a doctrine that will stand the test of time now I, I, i think and, and I think maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit too early on this, but it's important to recognize that regardless of the par- what the partners or family members do, if you keep your covenants, you will inherit the blessings that God has promised you. And so I, I would, I would go so far as to say that uh, to my understanding, while it is critical and very important to focus on, on the ceilings of these families that, you know, like we say, families can be together forever. Um, I, I think that when we go to participate in these ordinances, we can recognize that there is an emphasis placed more within the temple upon the receipt of the blessings associated with the ceilings, um, right? Blessings of, of being raised in the Holy resurrection to come forth in, in the morning of that first resurrection, right? To have immortality, eternal lives, kingdoms, thrones, principalities, powers, exaltations and so on right to be blessed essentially with the blessings of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and so I think when we talk about ceilings yes family will continue but to my understanding and and belief as important as having these ties from mother to father and father to son and so on is and it is important I I believe more of that importance dwells within man and woman continuing forever for man without woman Man is, man without the woman it really is nothing before the Lord. You can never truly be complete and never fully be exalted without that uh, eternal companionship. But um, I, I don't believe that the ceilings of parents to children is as critical in the sense of your exaltation in the way that we often talk about families being together forever. More so, I believe that that seems to be a way to continue the blessings that are sealed upon them, right. To make them covenant members, um, heirs for lack of a better word, um, to all of those blessings to which you have been promised according to faithfulness.
1: Okay. So I guess, um, let's see. So in the question, how it's asking, um, what about someone who doesn't qualify? Let me just walk through this scenario and we'll see what we think on this, Cade. Um, say you, you have a spouse, I guess that's one case or another family member, a sibling or a child mm-hmm. who strays from the gospel. And let's just uh, give you the benefit of the doubt and say, you make it to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. Great. Let's say that other person for the intents and purposes of our discussion goes to the uh, not the t but the telestial kingdom the lowest, uh, kingdom of glory. So in that case, uh-huh. will they be together forever with their family? <laughs> um, you know, are, are they still together forever? And I guess uh, we have to kind of mm-hmm. qualify or define what this words together forever, because together is relating to location and proximity, right? So, um, the celestial kingdom and the celestial kingdom Correct as far as proximity goes, they're far apart. As far as distance, they are not the same place. There is a great distance. And um, I would say other hindering obstacles between them that makes travel and um, communication and relationships difficult, if not even maybe impossible in some cases, um, people from a higher kingdom mm-hmm. can to a lower kingdom, but not vice versa. Right. So uh, to answer that right. question, will they be together forever? I think not, right? They're not going to be together as far as the proximity and distance goes. But will that family relationship continue?
0: Right. And so that's where it gets kind of sticky in the sense of uh, the, the, the blanket answer is no, right? That you're not living in the same sphere and being able to dwell really forever, right? But you can still enjoy the presence of each other if you have gone to a higher kingdom. And like you mentioned, you can descend to those lower kingdoms of glory. But yeah, just like you said, those blessings of truly being able to dwell in each other's presence or within the same proximity for all of time and all eternity um, will not be granted unto you unless you are in the celestial kingdom.
1: Okay, so what about people who say, like, I looked up this on Cora, you know, this question form, and I think they were probably members with good intent who were trying to answer, but someone asked that question similar to this and they're like, it's a non-issue. You're still gonna be family. Like you're still siblings, you're still whatever. Even if they're in different sphere, like nothing will separate that bond you have as a relationship, you know, a familial relationship. So what do you think of that? Like, will you still be brother or sisters or parent and child, you know, will those relations and bonds of such still exist?
0: I think to some degree, yeah. I, I, I find it baffling the thought that, um, and, and this will hopefully emphasize a little bit of the point I was trying to make a little bit earlier, um, but I, I don't believe that it just makes no sense that you would, for example, be resurrected, go to a degree of glory. Let's say one of you goes to the celestial, like you had mentioned, and the other goes to the telestial. It makes no sense that your bond of, of father and son would somehow evaporate into nothing even though you have a perfect recollection of all things, right? Um, now, like I said, those bonds would be different because you're not dwelling in the same sphere. But I don't believe that um, just because you didn't enter into the same sphere in the celestial kingdom, right, to, to become exalted as a family, um, I don't believe that somehow just because of that, you're just going to be like, oh, well, I guess you weren't the same as my, my brother as when I was on earth. Right. And so uh, Joseph Smith does teach a little bit about this doctrine of the sealing of wayward children. Um, And and, and essentially he talks about how, and I I think I've mentioned this before, but the um, tentacles, there's an extended grasp, right. The tentacles of of divine mercy, right. That extend from God to those who are, are wicked um, sealed to those who enter into exaltation.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't his quote regarding salvation, is it? Uh, so uh, Joseph I, Smith? Yeah, is this the one you're talking about? Let me, uh, let's see. Oh no, this one doesn't say tentacles in it. I'm, I'm seeing one here that's Orson F. Whitney quoting Joseph Smith. Yeah. But uh, eternal ceilings yeah. of faithful parents and the divine promises made to them for valiant service in the cause of truth would save not only themselves, but likewise their posterity. Etc., etc. Um, oh, yeah. If they would feel the divine tentacles of divine providence reaching out after them and drawing them back to the fold, either in this life or in the life to come, they will return. Um, so he continues, Pray on for your careless and disobedient children. Hold on to them with your faith. Hope on, trust on till you see the salvation of God. So, this does that, that's really mm-hmm. just talking about salvation, right? So it doesn't, uh, maybe, yeah, it so- says, Yes, they'll be saved, but not exalted.
0: So in the early days of the church, even until, I mean, even in the 70s and 80s, there, there were lots of talks that equated exaltation and mm-hmm. salvation as the same thing. Because in, in reality, the fullness of salvation is the exact same as the fullness of exaltation, right, or, or exaltation. Um, and uh, even, I know Elder McConkie has a couple of talks where he equates the two multiple times, and, and so does Spencer Kimball and, uh, uh, and a few other prophets and apostles gotcha. as well. That's and fair. so uh, there, there, there is, yeah. So there wasn't much of a distinction until I, I know president Oaks made a clear distinction some years ago. And, and since then it's been emphasized upon over and over and over again since
1: that talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's interesting because yeah, when I read it at first, I'm like, well, if it is salvation then that's not a very impressive promise because on the technicality, everyone's <laughs> going to be saved to as a son and daughter of Adam. So, you know, it's like, uh, that that's not really right. that impressive to say that quote, but if you take it into <laughs> exaltation, well, wow. Yeah, you know, you'd what about really, you?
0: would have to be really, <laughs> yeah. Like you'd have to be really, really, really bad and have a lot of light to sin against in order to, for that to hold any promise. Right. To become exactly. a of tradition where you're not going to be saved into a degree of glory.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I think we're a little out of sync on our uh, timing. Sorry, Kate. You, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and so, yeah, I
0: think that that's um, kind of my, my understanding of of where familial relationships will be. I, I don't expect there to be a lack of the same relationship or knowledge of the relationship that you had in mortality, but there, there's some interesting principles that Joseph Smith even teaches. For example, when polygamy was instituted, right, the, the celestial order to some degree, and um, he, he makes mention that you're going to have to live to a way where your wife is going to want to choose you in the next life, right? That, that even though you're sealed together, she's still going to have to want to be with you in the next life. So you better treat her correctly and well in this.
1: <laughs> what? Oh man. That's <laughs> like, what does she have other options? Like they're just going to swap around wives, wives. I don't know. <left>. <laughs> well yeah. man! I, and I, to that I point, work
0: I, that. I, I will make no comment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. No well. And and it, it's interesting. He actually he takes an occasion where he goes about and expounds on the parable of the ten talents, right? Where one was given one talent and two, and, and so on, right? And uh, he, he he explains that those talents represent family relationships. That those who treat their family correctly and wisely will inherit so much more in the world to come. Mm. And those who do not will lose it and it will be given to those who receive more. So to what point that goes into, to wives and picking their husband, I don't know, but, um, just, just be good to your family. Let's just put it that way.
1: Okay. Okay. So, um, I'm going to throw in the next question because we're not even switching topics. So if you have more to say, it'll apply to this as well. If you're okay with this, um, it's just another question on the same topic, but can parents be sealed to adopted children? And if so, is that fair to the biological parents?
0: Uh, yes, they can. I, my cousin actually is adopted, and I know he was sealed uh, to his family. Um, and, and and I think that this this is where, I, and I'll try to reemphasize this in a way where, I don't know if I'm explaining it as I understand it, but um, like I have said, as important as these family ties are, as important as sealing kids to their parents is, the most important sealing of that relationship persisting beyond the grave is husband and wife, because they cannot—you cannot procreate without the husband nor without the wife, right—and have seed for time and all eternity. Um, but while I have a cousin, for example, that's that's been sealed to his family, he now is an heir to all of the blessings of of the kingdom of God, right? He's he's an heir to become as great as anyone has ever become and inherit every blessing that's ever been bestowed upon anyone ever so long as he is righteous and faithful right? and so um, is that fair to his biological parents um, yes and no um, I can see very clearly fair I define that I guess yeah but that's life and, and, I, and I think ultimately in a real sense it's fair to the point that it's beyond fair because he is going to be, like I said, an heir to all of these blessings, where likely in his previous um, parenthood, uh, of, of his previous parents, right, his biological parents, wouldn't have had the opportunity to give him these blessings, um, or at least not at that time.
1: Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, after you explain more about that concept of, you know, being sealed to parents, uh, isn't done primarily to, uh, to elicit some benefits of mere, uh, family ties. Although, you know, the social ties in a family may be beneficial, you know, you, you may like them and spend time together and such and have love between each other. That's great. But the primary reason seems to be, um, inheriting that salvation from whatever lineage, you know, offered you that ceiling. So that by the same principle, you could argue that, you know, when people were sealed to Joseph Smith into his family or in the early church, how they were, sealed into some of the righteous uh, early leaders of the church. That was really the purpose was to gain the salvation. And um, I don't think it's going to deprive any single person in the celestial kingdom of, you know, association with someone who was their biological child that also is in the celestial kingdom now.
0: Yeah. Very eloquently said that's exactly kind of what I was trying to say. So thank you for.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And. So this I can tell, Cade, that our, um, uh, our in-syncness on our audio is a little off, so I think I'm lagging behind or something. So if any of our listeners don't know, we do, we record these virtually. We're not in a professional studio together. We record these virtually, and sometimes we have technical difficulties. I'm sure you guys have heard before, but uh, anyway, we hope the, the, the message and the main part of our audio is retained. So anyway, bear with us if we get out of sync a little bit, but um, yeah, we can move on. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. And I don't know, I'll add one, one more thought. I think one interesting principle to recognize is, is while we talk about these sealing blessings and, and uh, being able to continue to enjoy the blessings of exaltation to be placed upon your children and, and your family members, right? And that this is a principle that we can find very easily and powerfully in the and Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob, right? That one of the key principles that they are given is that the priesthood will descend from them through their posterity, uh, so that they can bless all nations, right? And and as we do know and has been revealed in our day, not only is the priesthood an important responsibility, but for men particularly, it is a requirement for exaltation.
1: Hmm. Good
0: point. all right well do you have anything else to add
1: no i think uh, i mean we answered that question or you did i i think it was pretty clear so i, I don't have anything else to add on perfect that one.
0: okay well i'll ask you this next one and we'll we'll kind of shift a little bit of direction uh while still seeing a similar f- sphere so here's the question for you although it doesn't really make sense for you i guess it's more <laughs> for me but why, why aren't you married yet <laughs>
1: I but am married. Why are you not
0: married yet? <laughs> okay, yeah. So and this kind is kind of talking towards LDS singles.
1: Yeah, okay. So I man, what are the stats? They said somewhere. I don't know if it was conference or face-to-face, but how many LDS members are single adults, young single adults? Do you know? There are more there are more
0: single adults than there are married adults in the church
1: currently. And that's not counting children, right? That's counting just. Married marriage age red ones. Okay. Wow. That's staggering to hear. So why, why are there so many single adults? It's kind of crazy because, you know, if you go back a generation even um, or two generations, especially it is, it was very, um, very abnormal for someone who's, you know, young and single ready, you know, marrying age to not be married. Uh, They're, and back then, they didn't have all the tools to help them, like uh, mutual and dating websites and um, uh, social distancing. Okay, mm. that one's not a help. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird thing. And so I guess it's kind of speculation of why aren't people married as much? Why aren't people getting married as much? And I think some of it, this is a lot of speculation, and I don't aim any of it at any one person so when i speculate here i'm not saying all this applies to kate or anyone in particular but it may (laughs) it probably
0: does
1: (laughs) so i and i can take uh blame for this too but i think our generation has not been um we don't arrive at a complete manhood i'm talking for both for the men um because we don't have the the qualifying experiences of responsibility and maturation that some of the old generation have had. They've had wars, had to take care of the farm, had some huge responsibilities placed on them, and they've had to um, be qualified as men. And part of that becoming a man involves being able to take risk. And I think our generation is very risk averse. We're very self conscious and very hesitant to go out on a ledge. You know, we, I, I don't know if it's a, some some way of how we've been raised or that we live in luxury but we're very uncomfortable with discomfort and risk is discomfort it is uncomfortable and i think that could play a big part of this because you know you don't want to take risk you don't want to even call it a date you'd rather just call it hanging out because that assumes less risk you don't want to you know impose on her and you know suggest that you'd actually be romantically interested in her. How dare you do that? You know, that's so risky. And, uh, you know, these are the kind of things that lead to people hanging out instead of dating and dating for months and months and months when you're totally ready to be married. I mean, here are some, here are some basic principles for anyone who's wondering if they're ready to be married. If you've met someone and your values align, I mean, as far as your interests and goals for, for church, um, and, you know, for other things too, like how, you, if you want to have a family and if you, um, you know, what you believe in and maybe some politics too, but basic, basic values, don't get crazy. If those align and you guys are um, compatible, you know, you're attracted to each other, then just go on and get married. Like you don't have to date for months and months and months. My wife and I dated like two months and then I uh, proposed to her and people think that's crazy. It wasn't because... And, and we've been married almost seven years now. And ha, huh, you know, many of you who dated longer got divorced before that. That's not something to say ha to, I guess, because that's sad, but I can say that with confidence, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure my wife and I are going to work out. We're going to stay together because our values are so aligned and we have the same goals and, you know, we're pursuing our, our faith and family together uh, in, in the same direction. And so, you know, no matter what hard things can get in the way, um, we have that going for us. And that is a firm rock to be planted on. So I think a lot of people are just risk averse and not wanting to go out on a ledge, but um, that's only one side of the issue. There's a lot more to it. So I'll let you talk Cade, because you're the one in this boat and you've got more exposure to the difficulties uh, that one might encounter in here.
0: All right. Well, I, I, I do, I do love that. And I think that's a, that's an important principle to continue in faith in most aspects in life, if not all where you don't need to know every nook and cranny of every single thing in order to take a step forward in faith. Um, And if you do, you're never going to get anywhere. Um, Now I I think, I don't know some, some of the key things I've noticed at least of why, (laughs) why a lot of my friends and fellow um, young single adults are not married is for one, We just don't have our priorities straight. Um, there are so many people that I've talked to and had discussions with where, you know, because they're in a time of their life where they're not quote unquote taxed with this burden of a family, right? They're they're not tied down to having a mortgage, to having a a wife or a husband where they need to support each other and, and, and so on and so forth that they want to go and travel. They want to go visit the world. They want to you know, have fun, right? And and that's that's their primary concern, right? And then five years later, they're gonna be like, oh crap, you know, I I really should have started preparing for my future. And it's the same with retirement, and same with I mean, literally everything. I, I the people my age, it, it, it stresses me out talking with some of these people. I, I I know people that are wonderful people that I serve missions with that I've had discussions with, and they don't even want to get married, at least until I I, I talked with them, and I, I don't think that the generality of members of the church recognize that marriage is a requirement right to be for, for exaltation like we've discussed previously right you cannot enter into the highest degree of the celestial kingdom without entering into this new and everlasting covenant which is the covenant of marriage which must be performed in the temple by proper authority and um i i think that it's really scary right we 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 got these priorities of hey let's go and have some fun and eat drink and be merry right and maybe we'll settle down sometime in the future and that's a very dangerous path to tread now i'm not saying that you have to be overly anxious um and and stressed out one of the difficulties i think for marriage is um it is a two-way street right It, it requires two people's agency which is different than any other ordinance um that makes it very difficult. I know plenty of good brethren that I've uh, grown very, very fond of that are incredible, wonderful men um, that have been engaged on multiple occasions, but due to the agency of others have not gotten married. And I don't know. I, I think that um, in addition to this, yes, there's there's tons of, and tons and tons of other things. But I think in general, it, it kind of comes back to these basic principles, like you were saying, right? We, we kind of are living these lives where we're not grown up we're not matured yet right it takes us till we're like 27 before we're like wow i probably should have settled down right we haven't gone through you know living on a farm and learning responsibility and learning the the priorities in life and and so i think when you put things in perspective when you understand that not only is this a requirement for exaltation but your potential to have joy will increase exponentially to a point to where you can never attain it have if you continue single forever. And so, I don't know, those
1: are just a couple of the points that I wanted to point out. Yeah. So you draw that um, distinction of, there are two categories, um, generally speaking that people can be in where one is they're, they're looking for someone to marry and they're ready and they're, they're waiting for that. And it's just uh, not happening. um, Despite their intentions and their efforts. And um, then there's the other category of people who are just, uh, you know, a little remiss to even get married or to consider the idea and hesitant to, to start at that. And to that latter category, you know, everyone has their agency. So I'm not saying, you know, if you really don't want to get married, I'm going I'm to force you to. I want you to do it against your will. Certainly not. But I will suggest that there's probably something wrong with your development. And I know that's very offensive to some people, but I don't think you have actuated as a full man or woman because it is normal to want to get married and build a family that is programmed in us. And if you don't want that, maybe there's something in your past or something with your development that hasn't completed. You know, Maybe you're just a boy who wants to play video games and you haven't become a man yet, a true man, you know, or, or vice versa for a woman. But, um, and I know that's very strong language. And who am I to say that? Because, you know, I'm I'm married and I don't know their hardship and whatever, but I'm going to say it anyway, because uh, I, I'm okay to offend some people sometimes and take my words for what they're worth. <laughs> but I think there's some truth to that. Um, and like Cade said, if you want to progress, you want to come close to God as fast as you can, you have to get married. Like, that's the way to progress as fast as you can. You're not going to grow closer to God and closer as a, a, um, a divine being um, than by doing that and starting a family and raising kids. Uh, that's uh, My wife and I often talk about this, but having kids, building a family together and raising them in righteousness is the most fulfilling thing you can do here on this earth. Like It is so fulfilling. Um, it just gives you so much meaning and purpose. It's like you're built to do it. You're designed to do it. <laughs> hint, hint so uh anyway that's a, another another thing there so yeah i'm speaking pretty harshly i know but uh, i think there's some truth to it yeah
0: yeah and i don't know i think that there is additional things that go on today for example there's as has been taught over and over again through general conference from prophets and apostles uh, a plague of pornography um, that goes on and not mm-hmm. significantly can change your your emotional state, your mental state, your chemical balances. I mean it, it will change you. And I, I think, you know, this is not just directed towards the brethren, though I know that there are many, many, many people that struggle with this. Um I, I'd I'd venture in the high 90% of people who have struggled with this, if not do struggle currently with this. And the this the the suggestion I have is fix it. Like Literally, repentance is such an incredible blessing. It is not this detrimental thing where we make it into such a hardship. The the harder you make it is as hard as it's going to be. It, it literally is a way to relieve sin and burden off of your shoulders. right? And, and I think if you continue to persist in a path of pornography, just have fun with life and that is your sole purpose. You're not going to fulfill that purpose in doing that, right? If you're if you're getting a little frisky, a little more than you probably should, and that is all you're trying to do is just have fun, you're never going to have that same fulfillment, worlds without end, until you enter into that wonderful relationship of marriage between man and woman. And I'm sure you can attend to this way more than I can because I, I, I am the one to whom this question is, is uh, directed towards. And so uh, pray for me. Let me find someone who will use their agency to spend more than 15 minutes with me, if you will. <laughs> but. Uh,
1: and, you know, to your credit, Cade, I think there are some difficulties that are interesting in our age. I know sometimes you'll get in some some populations of women who are, you know, very picky, I've heard. Um, and there are some other things like mutual kind of disrupts the The dating process a bit, Um, you know, when you have so many options and so much um, social media feed that's just dramatizing dating and and also the people whom you're dating. I think that can sometimes distort the the reality of what you can expect. So people have some expectations that are very unrealistic. So, you know, I I've talked to people and heard lots of different things of of the challenges that you can face. So those are there um i don't want to be entirely insensitive to the to those but at the same time um you know they, there's a lot you can do on your end. but uh, yeah i i can imagine that there there are many challenges too so i don't want to be too insensitive there
0: yeah no and I, I'll, I'll add another aspect that's interesting and, and i'm not i'm not promoting being uh being creepy and stalkerish or whatever but but I've read a lot of biographical um, stuff on, you know, Mark Twain, Teddy Roosevelt, tons of people throughout history, and and it's very interesting to see a lot of how they went about finding their life. And basically, a lot of times people got rejected a ton, but they were just d- diligent and persistent to a point where if you did that today, you'd probably be arrested for stalking. But <laughs> I mean, there, <laughs> there there were some of these people, and I kid you not, I'm like, holy crap, like talk about dealing with rejection and overcoming it taking you know just nothing into turning it to something and so i don't know i i think when it comes down to the core principle what you have to realize is you the the whole purpose of this life is to become like god and there is no better way to become a father like he is ours to to truly enjoy and experience the, the understanding to some degree, right? Small as it might be, to what he experiences to prepare you for this future state where you can go out and truly prepare yourself to become as he is an eternal father.
1: Well, well, well I'm glad you said that point. Yeah, that, that just makes me think, you know, the, those guys, they were willing to take a risk. Those, those were men, you know, and, and I'm sure they had their quirks and their foibles and stuff. And, you know, you, de- you don't want to be creepy, but I think we err too much on the other side, at least for most of you guys. Maybe there are some creeps out there, but <laughs> I don't want to use that label too much because I feel like we, we far err on the other side. You know, you guys can be very deliberate. You can go to a girl and say, hey, I think you are very, Love to go on a date with you. would you be willing to go out with me and if you you know haven't tried that try it and if you haven't been rejected once at least then you're not trying hard enough if you haven't been rejected <laughs> you're not trying hard enough or you're just super good looking and uh, you know the chicks can't say no so
0: yeah well if that's, that's a good the case then no. you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah as i was gonna say you probably don't have too many problems going on <laughs> but, yeah yeah and and I could, and I could ramble for years. I, I mean, there's there's plenty of issues that go on. I think with the whole dating sphere. But I think, uh, at least on my end, I feel like those are kind of the general ones that uh, I wanted to cover.
1: Yeah, well put. So, guys, um, I think I I speak a lot to the guys and girls here too. There's lots to be said, but. I, I do like and promote the values um, from a former time when men are the ones who took initiative in the dating sphere. And unfortunately, girls are having to step up a lot and uh, take that initiative because the guys aren't willing to, uh, you know, step up and ask the questions, ask out on a date and um, be intentional and deliberate here, which is a shame. Um, so there's that side. Guys, step up like you know, take initiative. A girl likes someone who knows what they want. And if you, you know, get rejected a few times, so what? That's, you know, if the worst happens and that's what you're so scared of, try it and find out that it's not as bad as you thought it was. And for women, um, you know, n- be ready for for marriage. Be ready and looking for a husband that uh, you know, lives up to the standards that you're looking for because they are out there. Any of those women who feel like they have to compromise and, you know, thinking that every man is just uh, you know playing video games all the time and is addicted to porn and stuff. It's, that's not the case. Um, oh, and I, I forgot to comment on the, the pornography side, which you did uh, to Cade. And rightfully so, I think uh, that's a big issue that definitely affects the dating sphere. But um, I think some men out there are a little passive with their recovery attempts to um, addiction. And I know many others have tried everything in the books and more and Done everything they felt was in their power and still have not found the recovery they're looking for. Keep trying and try ferociously. It's like in the scriptures when they say, "Like dragons did they fight?" And I think there's a there's actually a recovery program after that. The Sons of Helaman or Men of Moroni by uh, what's his name Hark Harking, Doctor Harker, something like that. Look it up. Um, Men of Moroni or Sons of Helaman. There's also many groups out there. You know, if you're not going to a 12-step group, go to a 12-step group because. That's like the basic number one, um, treatment you can do for addiction. So, um, go out there, don't try to do it on your own. Um, but also don't think that you have to be perfect in order to date someone. Um, women are, you know, they're going to be understanding and realize that you're a, a growing man and a maturing man. And my, my wife has had to see me go through a lot of, um, improvements and recovery and, um, a lot of change in order to become the man I am. And I'm still changing, still proactively trying to become better, but, um, don't think that you have to be perfect in order to start dating. Just be open and honest the whole time um, when you're dating and start on a, you know, an honest square. So they know, they know about you and where you're at and what you're struggling with, but, uh, don't let it be a deal breaker and just, you know, coast on the sideline. Cause you don't think you're ready to date yet.
0: Exactly. Amen. And, uh, I actually have some words here from, uh, George Q. Cannon, where he kind of remarks upon the subject to a degree. It, I, I know that there's a classic uh, quote from Brigham Young basically saying that anyone, any young man over 25 <sighs> is a man to society. I think that that's a true quote, but uh, I like I, it, it's the same sentiment. But George uh, Q. Cannon says that our boys, when they arrive at the years of maturity and can earn a wife, should get married. And there should not be a lot of young men growing up in our midst who ought to be, but are not, married. While I do not make the remarks to apply to individual cases, I am firmly of the opinion that a large number of unmarried men over the age of 24 years is a dangerous element in any community. And an element upon which society should look with a jealous eye. For every man, knowing himself, knows how his fellow man is constituted. And if men do not marry, they are too apt to do something else. Something worse. Then, brethren, encourage our young men to marry and see that they are furnished with employment so that they can marry. And uh, I don't know. I I think that general sentiment is very important. That uh, if you're not, find a way to continue down that path. If you're struggling with addiction, find a way to continue as as you've said to fight ferociously like like a dragon, um, and know that God is the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament and our dispensation. That He will perform miracles to remove obstacles from your path as he has done with prophets of old and new.
1: Yeah, I like that quote. And I agree with the sentiment too. And and to a degree what Brigham Young said, I think there's some truth there, even though it can be misconstrued. <laughs> so what did George Q Cannon say about the jealous eye? He said like if someone's not married over twenty-four, you should look at them with a jealous eye. Is that what he said? <laughs>
0: Yes, but he's saying it in a different way of what we consider be jealous. <laughs> he's like, I've been that's married for be... too long, guys.
1: <laughs> Super <help> jelly. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Well, well put. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of good stuff there. A lot, I any even more we could say, and uh, you guys have probably heard about as much as you want to hear from us. But, um, yeah, that's an important issue. I think a really big one
0: absolutely okay do you um, want me to
1: ask you the final question we have four tonight guys i know we've always done three but we have four um since some of them had a lot of overlap uh, you ready for it cade
0: yeah let's shoot it,
1: is it for you I, I don't know i'm gonna read it to you all right can a miracle okay. be performed by someone who doesn't have the priesthood or by someone belonging to a heathen nation
0: okay
1: um
0: the simple answer is yes and I will say the reason why I, I would say that a miracle can be performed by someone who doesn't have priesthood. First off is this is a clear principle that even Joseph Smith taught, right? That you don't need to hold the priesthood in order to perform a miracle. Um, and he even instituted early in the church and the women of the church would go out and they would be um emphasized to go out and give blessings along with the brethren right to enjoy the same spiritual gifts that the brethren did enjoy as well and then later on um through church history it became more emphasized through different presence of the church to as the scriptures say call upon the elders Um, but so so just as a general rule men are not the only ones that can perform miracles this is anyone that can perform healings miracles anything One that belongs to a heathen nation. Um, this is where it changes a, a little bit to some degree. Um, for example, I don't know. I I don't know about you. I know you served in the South as well, but I I served in Louisiana, and there were churches that professed to heal their members constantly, right? And I I, I believe that there is a principle that we can understand that faith brings miracles, right? But faith, as we know, is you know knowledge of things hoped for, not seen but they have to be true right Allah 32 kind of makes that clear compared to the other sources of Hebrew 11 and, and whatnot um, but, but the principles has to be true. And I think one example you can take for this is, is the brother of Jared right He goes out and he's astounded when he sees the face of the Lord. He had faith to a degree where he the Lord couldn't be withheld from his presence. yet when he saw the face of the Lord and his hand right when he saw his body he was, astonished he was startled that the lord had a figure of the man is is what it seems to be from the scripture i I can't interpret that in any other way and uh, i i think it's an important principle to realize if you are building off of true faith even though that might not have the complete knowledge
1: yeah i think that's that's well put it's it's you know we don't have a monopoly on truth or on the power of god in our church as far as you know the miracles and the you know, the power of the name of Jesus goes. Um, it reminds me of in Mark chapter nine, verse 38, when John says to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not hinder him for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able to um, soon afterward to speak evil of me. Um, for he who is not against us is for us. And, uh, and that's the, New American Standard Bible, I think. Sorry, I just have random Bible versions that pop up when I look up a verse. But um, yeah, so I think that principle is accurate. And you can go to other churches and meet other Christians who do have miracles happen, where they command, you know, the the miracle of healing and the, the powers of Jesus to do miraculous things. And also there are other strange spirits that are not of God that can do miracles. I know it's like how the Pharaoh's priests were able to mimic a lot of the miracles that Moses did as signs to the the Pharaoh. So there are definitely other supernatural powers out there, but um, you know, so, so people that are not of our religion or even Christian can do miracles. And um, I, I forgot, or maybe it cut out a little bit when you were saying Cade, but someone from a heathen nation, someone who does not believe in Jesus Christ can they do a miracle or call down some miracle of healing or otherwise by any spirits or, or or by God's power rather than by some other weird, strange spirit?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, I probably did cut out a little bit, but um, I I don't know. I, I would say there are, multiple powers right God is not the only being with any power in this universe and that's clearly uh, demonstrated by Satan though he always has the most power right and he's the only one that has enough power to save us from death and from sin and um, while there are as you've mentioned right imitations of Satan and other various spirits, they never have power to to affect true miracles in the sense that God does.
1: So uh, we we had a few technical difficulties. Sorry, guys, the connection's a little poor. So we may have cut out a little there, here, and there. But uh, just wanted to wrap up on this on the subject of miracles performed by um, someone who doesn't have the priesthood or someone belonging to heathen nations. So um, I think we've answered the question uh, pretty much that it, you know, it can be done. Uh, There can be miracles performed by someone who doesn't have the priesthood or by someone who maybe doesn't even believe in Jesus, but uh, there are limits there for sure. And there are also questions as to what is the source of the miracle. Um, But I wanted to ask one more follow-up before we wrap things all the way up for you, Cade. Um, As far as the women go, I don't mean to go so far as to purport the, you know, women priesthood movement, but I do want to affirm some details here. So the women who did the, in the early church, did the blessings of healing. Didn't they even do the laying on of hands sometimes when they would uh, heal someone by the name of Jesus Christ?
0: Yes. Yes, they would. Uh, they would never administer as, as we do by priesthood authority um, as we do with the ordinance of, of giving a blessing to the sick and afflicted. Uh, but yeah, they would. And it's, it's really interesting because, I don't know, there, there there's a great talk by President Oaks, actually, where he kind of distinguishes healings by faith versus healings by the power of the priesthood. All right? And I, and I think, uh, to my understanding, the key distinction between the two is when you give a blessing as a uh, holder of the priesthood, uh, you are authorized to stand in the Lord's behalf and to give the blessing as he would give the blessing. While if you're giving one by faith, it is more of you plead, To the Lord um, and ask for him to.
1: Okay, I like that distinction. That's good. So um, that's that's a good way to answer that question. And I think sometimes um at least my wife has said this before. She's felt hesitant to even um as the temple directs us, kind of to you know, cast out the devil, um, you know, by raising our arm to the square and casting out the devil in Jesus' name. Or you know, similar, um, seeming more, seemingly more like audacious acts like that. Um, so she's felt a little hesitancy there. And I, I was like, no, that's, you know, anyone can do that by the name of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to have the priesthood. Um, but I, at the same time, don't mm-hmm. want to undermine the, the legitimacy of the priesthood and the necessity of it and the difference there. But I think you distinguish well.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's about as clear and concisely as I think you can kind of Distinguish the two Uh, but it's really cool and there's some awesome awesome examples even uh, I believe they have a a cool example in the Saints where at uh, Hans Mill a mother healed her son where he had his hip blown off by a rifle and she packed it full of hay and gave him a blessing and by the morning his hip was healed perfectly. And uh, there, there's, there's a lot of really cool accounts of, of women giving blessings through church history as well. But uh, at the end of the day, in our day, currently and presently, those who hold keys, right, especially those who hold the keys over the church, have uh, established the, the practice and policy that we are to, as the scriptures direct, call upon the elders um, primarily when um, we get sick or right. if we're afflicted or if we stand in need of a blessing of comfort, for example, Um, that's not to say that women can't pray and and by their faith, heal someone, but, uh, it is to say that if you are sick and are calling upon someone to heal you, it is directed to be the members who hold the priesthood of God.
1: Yeah. Well put. Yeah. It reminds me even the story of Emma Smith, um, when she prayed and had, and the ice that was on this river that they had to cross broke so they could cross it. Um, but it was a something that the people were astonished at and thought it was a really big miracle. And, and it was, but um, yeah, that was, that was Emma who was the one that prayed and called down that miracle. Um, but uh, yeah. And I know my mom, she's, my mom has a lot of faith and on numerous occasions she has, uh single-handedly well not single-handedly but by the power of god change the weather i swear like we're doing family pictures and i'm like mom it's gonna rain the forecast says it's gonna rain 100 percent." and she's like let's just pray just have faith (laughs) and it'll go away and sure (laughs) enough you know the sun comes out i'm like what the (laughs) you know how did that happen but anyway she does that all the time we kind of joke about it now but uh anyway Uh, frivolous Um, account but yeah i i don't have anything else there to say and uh our connection's been good to us letting us say this much so i am good to wrap up now if you got anything else Cade, go ahead
0: good yeah and 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 i don't know i think that's a perfect way to kind of end it um that in this life we we really have a, a lot of opportunities and we should make sure we have our priorities straight right for those of us who are single we should know um to continue to not be single right uh for those who have <laughs> just gotten home for missions look as as the the white handbook directs every transfer you got to find your companion as quickly as possible or at least that's what it said when i um, <laughs> when i was still out there i know they changed it and updated it but but anyway that that, that that that's the point and and make sure that you are able to inherit all of the blessings that god can bestow and that is the only way is is through enjoying the same ordinances and blessings that every single person has had to go through Um, and as we do that there's a lot of blessings we can enjoy along the road too right and miracles for example are not constrained only to those um, who hold priesthood office
1: well put well thank you Cade for the discussion I appreciate it I think there's some good stuff here So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Ask us questions, please. Give any comments in the uh, link provided in the description. And we'll have another episode for you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.